And now, a word from our sponsors. The Oyster Recovery Partnership is the nonprofit expert in Chesapeake Bay oyster restoration. The Oyster Recovery Partnership has planted more than 9 billion oysters on 3,000 acres of reef and recycled more than 250 bushels of shell. Everyone benefits from a healthy Chesapeake Bay. Poor water quality and declining habitats can be reversed. Oysters are the answer. Pescavore is packaged in a convenient single serving size with no refrigeration required until after opening. Pescavore is the perfect, healthy, and delicious snack for those on the go. Pescavore, tuna that travels. Hey, what's going on, good people? It's Gardener Douglas, your oyster ninja. I'm here with Mr. Alex Lambert with Lambert Shellfish. What's up, buddy? Nothing much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so Alex, you are a oyster farmer, a uh, entrepreneur, as they call. <laughs> so just tell us a little bit about yourself, man, and uh, why in the world you wanted to be an oyster farmer. Um, yeah, so um, so I actually came from uh, New York City. I was working at one of the accounting firms. Uh, my family got this awesome piece of property on the eastern shore of Virginia in 2013. Um, and it was kind of like our vacation spot for a couple of years. But um, during that time, like you could just kind of look out the windows um, and we're on Hungers Creek and there's a bunch of different um, like aquaculture operations. Um, and I just started watching them and became interested, started watching YouTube videos and reading about it. And um, yeah, I started out with you know a couple thousand seed and some cages. It was kind of a hobby for a couple of years. And then I just kind of fell in love with it so much that I decided to uh, quit my accounting job, move down here full time and start the business in the, the beginning of 2019. So for the past couple of years, we've been growing this this relatively new oyster business and uh, yeah, trying to continue to get better. No doubt, man. Um, so I'm going to hop right in, John, I guess. So when you say start with a thousand seed, a lot of people like whoa a thousand so compared to then to now like what like what's your re-up look like so to say so yeah over the past three years we've kind of we've gone up and then last year we came back down a little bit but on average we're we're doing about a million seed um sheesh (laughs) that's crazy to even think about a million oysters out in the bay um where are you located again uh, so we're at the mouth of Hunger's Creek. Um, the town is Mashapango on the eastern shore of Virginia. So we're we're on the bay side, but pretty far down. Nice. Um, for the folks uh, who are not familiar with Mashapango yeah. and the eastern shore, just how would you describe the eastern shore, man? Of course, that's where I grew up. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of so. Uh, another term is the Delmarva Pen- Peninsula. So if uh, if folks are somewhat familiar at looking at the Chesapeake Bay. It's kind of the long peninsula on the east side of the bay that kind of runs north-south. And so uh, Mashpango is pretty much all the way at the south end. We're 10 miles north of Cape Charles. Um, so Cape Charles is pretty much right before you get to the the long bridge, which spans the from the eastern shore to Virginia Beach. So we're kind of all the way on the south south side of the of the Delmarva Peninsula. Nice, man. Um, 
How do you like that slow life down there? I love it. Yeah, I tell everyone leaving New York, which I also loved. Um, I was a little concerned um, about my sanity, but uh, you know, moving down here and not knowing anyone. But actually, it turned out that I met my now wife um, about three months in, um, just using a dating app. And so she had a bunch of friends in the Virginia Beach area. So it's just been, you know, I think I lucked out that I kind of got welcomed into, you know, a regular community of, of, of some really great folks down here. So I didn't lose my mind. Let, let's talk, let, let's totally switch up now. Cause you're talking about my, my love language now. <laughs> but no, like it's uh 2023 now. Um, for the folks who don't know, I actually, all right. So I first saw my wife when I was working at the wharf in DC, she didn't give me a time. She didn't give me a chance. She didn't give me a number. Now, while I was deployed in Afghanistan, we don't have nothing else to do. So what am I doing? I'm on date naps. I'm, I'm, I'm out there looking. What, what, what was your radius from uh, Afghanistan? It, it, it's just the whole world and anyone that's uh no, or, no, no. Or just back home, back home. No, so I would um like look up locations. Like I looked up the Eastern Shore. But no, uh, I looked up DC and I saw her and I was like, oh shoot, this is like probably meant to be. Now I was on uh plenty of fish, and uh, it's crazy how it happened because I just sent her a message, and of course I'm not gonna lie, I was talking to a lot of females. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, but it's it's crazy. Once I started talking to her. It was a wrap. It's like she, and it's crazy to think, but like we just we were like just talking nonstop all the time. Let's get off the love train. Um, okay, so um, oh, I know what I wanted to talk about. The story I always tell people. Um, just recently, like yesterday, I was telling it um some people. I was like, yeah, you know, I had this guy reach out to me, and uh, now he has an oyster farm. So, you know, just talk about, uh, let's talk about why you were listening at the, listening to the podcast. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I think when you started your podcast, it was probably around the same time when I was getting into all of the oyster stuff. Was it around like, was it 2014 or a little bit later? Yeah. So I think I started the podcast around 2015, 2016. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah 2015 actually. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe I'd read one of the, like the great books, um, the, um, history on the half shell uh, talking about like the New York city and, and the oyster there. Um, I think that was maybe where I, I got introduced with, to Thomas Downing, um, or maybe it was a Chesapeake book. Um, and I think I may have just searched oyster or something and your podcast came up and I think you would just put out that that episode on him or maybe it was like soon after that or something like that and I was like wow like what are the chances <laughs> you know like uh, like those early years I, I kept you know being like you know are there any books about oysters <laughs> you know I was just like obsessed to, to learn and then every time I kind of found something I would get so excited so you were you were like the first like podcast guy <laughs> and yeah. I was like wow this is like all everything seems to be related the the people the stories the history it's that was kind of just a, a fun part yeah um so i honestly i appreciated it when you reached out to me because them early days man those were like struggling days man i was like is this working are people really listening yeah. like 
Does this even matter? Only oyster nerd. You know, it was like all of those things. Like it, it was, it was, oh my God, it was tough. It was tough. So I appreciated like getting emails from people saying, Hey, we love your podcast. Hey, I listened to your podcast. Hey, can you bring this guest on? So um every now and then I get an email, but in the beginning, man, it was a lot. That stuff was fuel. Yeah. Like for sure. real. Yeah. Um, to keep it going. Um, so what gets you through the tough times, man? You're an oyster farmer. Nothing about this is easy, especially building it from ground up. Yeah. What gets think, you through? Yeah. I mean, I think this is a tough time right now. It, um, we were working, you know, so hard, so concentrated on, on, on Rowan's birth. Um, and the last couple of weeks of December got really cold and we were just like, you know, selling a bunch and I kind of lost track of kind of where we were. And um, yeah, we wound up selling out of our market size oysters in mid-January, which I thought we, at least this year, I thought we would have made to mid to late February. So um, so yeah, we've kind of had a, I, I've had to put my paternity, you know, leave on pause and, and just make sure that I was, you know, I've been at the farm every single day because every day, you know, it's, it's relatively easy when, everything's going full throttle and you're just, you know, you're just selling thousands of oysters a week. Um, and we're super grateful. We've got some great customers, but when things, when sales pause, at least you have to kind of be on a day-to-day focus of like, you know, what are the tides giving us? What, what's the weather giving us? What can we do with the men that, you know, with the people that we have? Um, so it's kind of a lot more on a day by day, like this is the game plan as opposed to, um, when you're just getting an order that morning at five o'clock being like, you know, we need 2000 of these, you know, a thousand of these. Um, and you could just, you know, tell people to go off and do that. Um, right now it's, it's been a bit challenging um, having to pause sales and kind of just, yeah, focus on a million different things to get our farm in, in, a, in a better position going forward. So um, I think what gets me through times like these, um, my wife, <laughs> Allison, um, our friends, um, and even just kind of what you were just talking about as far as like people, you know, reaching out to you, like with support. It's kind of why I like posting on Instagram, um, just like sharing sort of, you know, a vulnerable story and then getting support that way, or just kind of, you know, posting a video or a picture of what's going on at the farm and then people just kind of interacting with that it's kind of like you have an audience and people are like rooting for you to kind of keep going. So I think just, yeah, having people to support you along the way helps. That's amazing, man. It's good to have that support group and, um, you know, just people knowing that like, they support in what you do, you know what I mean? Like your work is not in vain, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. Um, ideally, where would you like to see your oyster farm? I mean, I, I think we're moving in the direction. So right now, um, over the past couple of weeks, we added eight more of our adjustable long lines. Um, and then we've got space and a permit to put four more after that. So um, a nice adjustable long line farm there. Um, we're, we're getting into clams. I'm, I'm getting more into uh, like living shoreline stuff. I don't, I don't know if you ever came across Clammerhead and Dr. Niels Lindquist, they came up with this oyster catcher material, it catches oysters and you could build oyster reefs. 
So um, living shorelines is kind of an area that I'm getting more and more um, excited and interested about. Um, and yeah, just kind of having like just a really solid farm that produces great oysters. Um, I'm, we're lucky we, we've got a great employee, uh, Simon. So just kind of keeping that relationship good um, and just kind of, I think the more time that has passed over the past, you know, three or four years, the more I've kind of realized the lesson that, you know, things just take time. <laughs> and so it's just to kind of be persistent and keep kind of building out and making hopefully the best, you know, decision one step at a time sort of thing. So um, I can't you know, entirely foresee or, you know, even dream, um, but just kind of keep trying to make like the right decision. Um, but yeah, th there's loads of things that I'm interested in. I, I would love to just get some, you know, grounds on the seaside. I think that's a dream, a long-term dream right now. We've got a great spot on the bay side, but uh, the seaside is a, is a different world here on the Eastern shore. Um, so I, I think that's maybe something in the, in the long future from now, but. Why is, cause I don't know. Why is the seaside a, a whole nother beast? I mean, um, just kind of what's happening over there from, from the ocean. Um, um, I, I think it's got, uh, like potential to get, you know, hit from, you know, serious storms over there. There's a little bit less protection. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I really don't have that much experience over there besides like a few times going out with the nature conservancy, but it's just so beautiful over there. <laughs> it's like, like, man, I, like I would love to have a couple acres over here just doing something, spending time. Cause it, that's honestly, it, it's so much of why I love doing, you know, you know, what we do every day being out on the farm. It's just a couple of hours of just hard work and peace. And it's a, it's a good spot to be in. So um, yeah, if, if we, could have a little playground on the seaside that'd be that'd be fun too cool um you spoke a little bit about the living shoreline can you tell us what that is yeah so um so dr Niels Lindquist and uh, uh the late clamorhead uh came up with the with this idea of taking jute mesh soaking it in cement and then you could form different products out of it and it turns out um, if you put them, these products out in the water at the right time of year, um, while the wild oysters are spawning, the, the little oysters will attach to these products and you have yourself like the foundation of, a, of, uh, of a, an oyster reef. So that's kind of the first step to, to living shorelines. Um, and I'm, I'm actually right now in the process of learning more about uh, Spartina alterniflora, which is kind of marsh grass. Um, and that plays a, a huge, like, you know, environmental kind of role in living shorelines. So I'm, I'm getting, you know, more and more interested in the idea of being able to offer those products um, to, you know, local waterfront property owners as well for their living shorelines. But it's all super early days. I, I keep thinking about like that, where we we're just talking about like the early days of this oyster dream in that like 2014, 2015, where it's just like, I'm just searching the internet, like trying to read about it and learn about it. So that's kind of where I am right now with the living shoreline stuff, just kind of letting it percolate and kind of dance with the dream a little bit, but it is a cool idea. Well, if you got any guests that I can interview to help you along in the process, let me know. Yeah, yeah. Cause I would love to learn about that myself. 
what is the biggest difference between i get i don't is it still called farming clams like yeah i think so um so i think that one of the biggest differences is uh you kind of like just broadcast the, the clam seed uh, and I, i'm i'm new to this uh, there there are there are you know families and, and folks on the eastern shore that have been doing it for over 100 years and and they really know it so you know i'm just i'm brand new to this but um you essentially you broadcast the seed out into kind of like a fixed perimeter like a 15 by 50 foot perimeter or so um and then you kind of just put this um this like mesh net on top of of it and they kind of just grow just an inch or two um, in the sand and they kind of stick their siphon up to, to get the food that they need. Um, and then, yeah, it, it takes about a year and a half to two years, maybe a slightly longer than you know, our oysters here. Um, but we haven't even harvested. We're, we're probably gonna harvest in the next four to eight weeks. Um, so we've got our clam rake and we're all excited about that. But um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm a novice there too. So exciting times starting some some new paths nice nice and you gave your um employee a shout out uh yeah. we said simon right yeah he's great shout out shout out to simon big shout out um let's talk about it man because i feel like um ever since the pandemic it's been really hard for everybody as far as staffing and even kind of knowing like what direction to go into and I'm not sure the, the climate on the shore, but up here in DC, like people really just don't want to come back in the workplace. Yeah. So let's, t can you talk a little bit about um, the issues with staffing? Yeah. Or have you had any? Yeah, no, we have. Um, and I, this is something I'm really passionate about. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to get like, you know, too emotional, but um, it, it is important because a lot of people, like you hear, a lot of people say like, oh, you just can't find good work. You know, it's like it, maybe there's a, there's a bit more nuance and complexity to it. Um, what I found at least, at least um, with, with with Simon um, is, you know, like like people want to get paid fairly. Um, they they want to work. They want to do good work. They want to have a good environment. You know, um, they, they don't want to answer to, you know, four or five bosses uh, necessarily. Um, and yeah, I, I think. It, if more, um, you know, employers could offer, you know, a higher salary with like, you know, um, reasonable work hours and, and demands, um, I, I think everything would be better off. And it's, it's not easy. Um, but I, from our own experience, from my own experience, the alternative is, is just not worth it. You know, the, the premium that you may offer in terms of like a salary, I think you get back more than that by, you know, consistency, good relationship, all the other, you know, um, stuff that comes with, you know, just not having the right people in place. Um, it's, it's hard to put a dollar, you know, value to that. But from my point of view, a couple of years ago, maybe, you know, two years ago, I, I kind of realized like this, this whole thing won't, get off the ground or at least where I envision it to go um without really good people here um so so yeah we try and pay well work hard but not excessive um and yeah try and offer like a good environment to to be involved with 
Okay. That that <laughs> makes perfect sense. I mean, treat people the way you want to be treated is, is my exactly. um yeah. you know, my philosophy. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad to hear that. What do you think goes into choosing um a good employee? Like what qualities, traits, what what do you think for the other people, you know, in situations like you are? So I mean, um, God, let me just think of his characteristics. Um being consistent, you know, showing up on time, but it's, it's really, it's so much more than that. It's, it's like, like bringing the right attitude. Like you don't need to be like, you know, smiling and, you know, laughing every single day, but like to, to show up and, and, and be like ready to work and kind of be flexible um, with oyster farming and, and everything. There's, you know, a, a lot of things that change as far as start times and, and the weather and the tides that, you know, you're dealing with, but, um, but yeah, if you could just kind of roll with the punches, um, I think that's a good attribute to have uh, in terms of being an oyster farmer, but probably other occupations as well. Perfect. Shout out to Simon. Thank you for doing the right thing when nobody's looking. So why, why are you so passionate about the environment? Um, passionate about, you know, what happens? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, basically all oyster farmers are like anyone that's out on the water. Um, I think I, I, I can only speak from like my experience, but you feel so lucky to be out there and to consider that work and, and, you know, to be, you know, making a living out there. Um, you just start to, you know, to care and to, if you can, you know, make it better in any way that, um, seems like a good idea. Um, just because you feel like you get so much out of it. Um, so yeah, I I, I kind of tell everyone just, you know, growing up on Long Island, it just like, you know, nature wasn't like a an immediate thing, you know, right there. And, you know, going out into, you know, national parks was never a part of like my childhood. But over the past couple of years, I, you know, I have kind of seen the benefits of, you know, being out in nature. Um, it's just, it's way better than the alternative of, uh, not a lot of the oyster farmers I speak to and talk to on the show everybody's like really um passionate and uh, you know they just want to spread the message and um you know thank you for doing your part also uh so um I've done a bunch of uh videos with your oysters um on YouTube and some on Instagram too um of course we did a DC on the half show together um can you just talk about the oysters that you uh, sell to the market and flavor profile and what you know what makes your oysters different from the next so yeah i, I think it's at the long lines and the and the location that prep are probably the the biggest contributors to what make our oysters you know different special um so we've got two lines um we call our smaller um oysters our loving cups they're generally the prettier stuff that's kind of what you know we've had at the at the two DC on the half shell events. Um, but then we also have a, a larger oyster, we call it Rocky Tops. Um, and they sell probably more in our wholesale because we offer them a little bit cheaper. Um, but yeah, so we, we're at the mouth of Hunger's Creek. We've got a, a medium salinity, kind of 20, sometimes it goes up to 25 parts per thousand. So pretty high for the Chesapeake Bay. And that's why, at, you know, at these, uh, there's DC on the half shell events. A, a lot of people come up to us and, you know, kind of say, Oh, like these are seaside, right? It's like, no, nah, they're just lower East 
uh, Chesapeake Bay and we get a decent amount of salt. So um, th that's something that differentiates our oysters from a lot of oysters in the Bay. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of how we go about um, at our farm. It, every farm is different and kind of how the farmer moves the oysters into different growing um, conditions and locations and stuff. But we start our oysters, we get our seed at two millimeter, um, run the whole nursery um, kind of system using CPAS. seed baskets, kind of get a good shape. Then we move them out into ground cages and then we finish them into in our hexel, you know, hexel baskets, adjustable long lines again. Um, so it's the, the adjustable long line system just produces a, a better oyster, um, but there's also a benefit of having some ground cages in my opinion because it kind of um it allows you to kind of move more product um without necessarily having to have the infrastructure of a, a massive long line farm but that's kind of our setup um and yeah i i think when our oysters are good um i taste cream of mushroom soup <laughs> so that's what i taste um but yeah simon has said you know um what did he, he said lobster bisque or, or or another creamy soup maybe like a clam chowder or something um so kind of like a buttery creamy pretty salty um experience <laughs> nice man nice i always uh get a kick out of uh have you have you listened to my latest episode with uh sue wicks no i haven't i need to check it out yeah, so she goes into uh, describing her oyster, and she's like, you know, I'm not a, um, how does she say, a professional at, you know, getting <laughs> notes. Yeah, exactly. Tasting notes like you guys are. And then she go, and then she starts, like, you know, talking about her flavor profile. I'm like, Sue, I, I just stopped her in the middle. I was like, Sue, hold up. Wait a minute. You know, she's like, she's breaking it all the way down. Yeah. I'm like. Sue, come on now. You you got it. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and, and sometimes I feel like it's it's only that experience like of eating an oyster a lot of times that you're like, oh, that's what it tastes like. And that's almost like easier to connect with than being like, oh, the salinity is like four out of five and, you know, whatever, you know, it's like, um, but to be able to be like, this reminds me of that, you know, um, it's. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. When we were at dc on the hash shell yeah i kind of felt like you had your stuff together pretty much like when talking to um uh i forget her name now elaine luria yeah right yeah, yeah. but like how do you how do you stay up to date with like the laws and legislations and all of that good stuff like are you on top of all of that stuff i think um so what we were talking about that day, it was um, the um, the topic of SAV and aquaculture, and it's it's still a relevant thing. And for me, I stay on top of it, or I'm interested in it at least because it it's all around us. Our um, our farm and our area is covered in SAV, and the surrounding area also has a lot of SAV. So in terms of um, getting anything permitted. Um, it, it it's 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 very applicable to whether or not you can do certain activities in certain areas. Mm -hmm. So um, that's why I'm I've kind of stayed on top of it because I have to be. Um, gotcha. Yeah, uh, I definitely wanted to. I've been wanting to get you on a podcast since forever. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm glad we finally got it going. Let me look yeah, at the camera. I guess that helps. Uh, but no, I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you're doing good, man. And uh, you know, whenever you need a positive word, you know, hit me up. You got my number, man. Yeah, uh, I appreciate it. It's it fun to to chat for a second. I hope I didn't stumble over my words too bad. No, you're good, man. You're good. Um, I guess we'll end this. Um, where can the folks find you? Um, and find your oysters. Yeah, so I, I think I'm I'm most active on Instagram. Um, so you can just find us at uh, Lambert Shellfish. That's kind of where I'm doing, you know, daily posts and stories and stuff. Um, our website LambertShellfish.co. Um, and then yeah, we we sell to a few local restaurants, but um, mostly wholesale. So we go up to New York, um, mostly around here in this Virginia Beach area, and down to Georgia and stuff right now. So yeah, if uh, if folks are are interested um in kind of getting a sample of our stuff or, or you know or talking more uh they can you know shoot me an email at uh lampertshellfish at gmail.com and then yeah everybody talk more cool appreciate you brother congrats on the baby and uh it's gonna be a ride <laughs> it already has been <laughs> yeah there's no getting off this ride all right, all right. <laughs> oh man all right man thanks okay have a good one See it.